Corinthians 13 is otherwise called the love chapter of the Bible. Love book of the Bible is 1 John, five chapters. You might want to look at that this week as well. But as we come upon Valentine's Day, uh, love is in the air or in the, in the shape of chocolate with heart boxes all around it. And uh, I won a prize last night. Actually, Bonnie won it. The, but she pretended to let me help, too. And I, uh, we got a box of chocolates. And I made the mistake of not guarding them, and Bonnie gave them away. As we, as we think about love, though, and we think of, about romantic love, we do, we do love a disservice. Love, we're commanded to love one another, to love each other. And it's so, it's so important for us to understand that uh, there are those. Oh, God forbid you don't, but there are those that are married or dating that need to celebrate romantic love as well. But uh, 1 Corinthians 13 is really, when, if you look at it closely, a command that we are to love one another. If you went to 1 Corinthians 7, for instance, though, too, you would see that not all people are to be married. Some are to be single. They serve God better that way. I am very happily married. I love marriage. I love the concept of marriage. I love God who gave us marriage. And I have a way sometimes of, I have a way of sometimes thinking that should always be, everybody should be married. And then I'm called back to the, the ground and realizing that 1 Corinthians 7 says that some people are not going to be married. They're going to be the, the called to be single. Some are going to be called to be widow and widows at, at an unnecessarily early time in life. But this scripture, I have to be careful because I, I do apply it a lot to marriage. It's true, though, that it's to be applied to Christians as a whole. Holy Scriptures tell us that that's the, that's the way we will be known. That's how you'll know that they're Christian, for their love one for another, to care for one another. Uh, I have this little saying I want to say, and it's probably the most profound thing I'm going to say in the whole message. If we leave love out of anything... There's no value to it. No matter the great accomplishments of the day, if love is left out of it. So, so many people claim to be Christians and to have love, but when they settle down on complaining and criticizing and leaving love out of that, they're transgressing the love of God. God wants us to love one another, to care for one another. So as I begin, let's see. If we leave love out of certain things, 
There's no value to it. 13.1, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I am become a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. Again, the, and I, the greatest of speakers, and we see this now, every four years, we see the greatest of speakers elevating the cream coming to the top, and they're there literally because they're wonderful speakers. And uh, we have to understand that just having the gift of great oration, the gift, the gift to speak well, doesn't make somebody a great person. There are those that have just the greatest silver tongues. And I say this to the girls. Girls, unmarried girls, be careful. Be careful. Not Just because they can speak well and, and talk well and argue well with you and they have courage to say things, sometimes we get led astray. Please be careful. Don't judge a person because he, he can speak so well. If I, if I can speak so well but don't have love, I am nothing. Verse 2. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but if I don't have love, I am nothing. Even though I have so much faith, it doesn't demonstrate the greatest gift of all these is love. And we are to, and sometimes there are those who, we've, we've done the scriptures before talking about the gift of faith. And some have high faith, some not so high faith. And we have to, be, have to understand that that isn't always a sign of true Christianity. If I don't, if I, if I, how do I want to say this? If I don't have love, I am nothing. Verse 3. And though I bestow or give all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body even to be burned for a cause, but if I don't have love, I am nothing. Wow, what a statement. If we leave love out of anything, we're nothing. The overall concept here is this, a giant umbrella over us. And that umbrella is of all Christian people and even non-Christian. God loves every human being, every specialized human being, even those we don't think so highly of. He loves them and would die for them. And we are the one. We are the one that are to show his love to other people. Love. Starting in verse 4. The PowerPoint begins. Verse 4. Love suffers long and is kind. I like the suffering of long. I think that's why Bonnie and I can stay married so long because she suffers a long time. <laughs> love suffers long. You see, if you have true love, one for another, not just husband and wife, 
but it means that you can, can't run out of God's love for others. Love suffers long. And the next part of that is, and it's kind. It's kind. Ephesians 4.31, I have it here. Let all bitterness, now let's take these one at a time. Let all bitterness, bitterness is the lack of forgiveness. If you have ought, if you have feelings, harsh feelings for others, it's probably because you have trouble with bitterness. Let all bitterness, let all wrath and anger and clamor, yelling and screaming and evil speaking, let it be put away from you with all malice. Parents, don't be screamers. Oh, it works when they're three, four, and five. But it doesn't work so well when they're 13, 14, and 15. So please be careful with, with being your clamoring, your evil speaking. Put away from you, let it be put away with you with all malice. Malice is when you get even. Well, if you're going to do that, I'm going to do this. Let all bitterness, lack of forgiveness, wrath and anger, clamor, evil speaking, let it be put away from you with all malice and be kind one to another. You never know what that coworker or that pew sharer, you never know what life is really like for them. And you might be the only person to exercise kindness to them. Oh my goodness, as Christians, we are, we are to demonstrate our love by being kind, caring for others, meeting their needs. Be ye kind one to another. Then it says tender-hearted. And again, that's that old Indian thing where don't judge someone till you've walked in their moccasins, till you've walked in their shoes. Be tender-hearted. Try Try to understand that not everybody is from your background or not everybody is from your setting right now, however your life is. Forgiving one another, the next says. But even as Christ, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. When it says for Christ's sake, have you ever thought about that? God the Father trying to decide whether to forgive you and I. Jesus says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know the significance of their rebellion. Father, forgive them. We are to forgive others. I could have gone into the Matthews and the verses that talk about we will be forgiven in the same way that we forgive others. Love is a forgiving thing, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. It goes on, verse 4, love envies not. It doesn't boast itself. It is not puffed up with pride. It envies not. We have to be careful. You, the very people you might envy, you don't realize how hard they have their, the hard parts of their life. 
We need to be careful and accept what we have, accept who we are, and accept who we have instead of, instead of wanting more and more and more. Wanting, the, the hard thing for me is uh, Ron Holsinger's new explorer. The hard thing for me is when I go to get in as explorer, he says, take your shoes off now. A hard thing for me is sometimes what's out in the parking lot and when, when you drive 10 and 15 year old Sienna vans, it's, it gets hard when you look out there and see brand new wonderful cars out there. That's lusting for other things and envying other, other things. When you, look or, when you look at the cars Rodney drives, that big beautiful red truck that breaks down every other week. Love envies not. That's the first thing. Love boasts not itself. It is not puffed up. Puffed up with pride. Do we have pride? We're always exerting our own rights over others. If we're married, we often become very selfish with our pride. When our pride gets hurt, contention happens. Fights happen. Only by pride comes contention. That's one of the verses in my, in my Bible that I have marked down because if I get upset with, with Bonnie, if I don't even know why I'm upset, I go to this verse in my head and is it my pride? Only by pride comes contention, arguing, fighting, Check your own hearts and your own lives first because the source of pride. What is the source of contention? What's the, the source of arguments? Even among brother to brother, pew to pew, section to section, what's the, what's the source of the contention? Pride. Pride is the, the source. What's the middle, word, the middle letter? We are not to be living for I. We're to be living for others. We have to remember that. When our pride gets hurt, there will be fights, arguments amongst marriages, family, and friends. That is almost always the source of marital disputes as well. We go back to verse 5 now of our text. Love does not behave itself unseemly. When love, when love is used, it is to be self-sacrificially. We don't always win. We, we're willing to lose when it comes to others. Love does not behave itself unseemly. That means sacrificially. Seeks not her own. Love seeks not her own selfishness. Now this next verse talks about Ephesians 5.25 Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. 
And we have a cross up here. I don't know if all of you can see the cross from your side, but there is a, a cross right here. And husbands have to be willing to climb up on the cross and to be crucified for their wives. And when you're on a cross crucified, you don't have any rights. You don't get what you want. You don't get what you, what you even think you need because you're on a cross. Husbands, love your wives the same way that Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. That's one of the, the things that, well, what about the women? Well, it doesn't ever tell the women to be self-sacrificial lovers. It says that the older ladies are to teach the younger ladies how to love their husbands. It says that in Titus. But I, I, say, I say to you that we're all taught by the scriptures to self-sacrificially serve and love one another. I, I say that because we have to be willing, husbands have to be willing to lose. Maybe friends have to be willing to lose in order to gain. Galatians 5.13 says it this way, by love serve one another. Serve one another. Huh. Serve. Doulos. To be willing to do the, the worst of things for one another. So it comes down to it comes down to this. Selfishness. Selfish. Ask yourself, are you selfish? Versus your cross. Being willing to be crucified for others, for their sakes. That they gain and you lose. Willing to lose. So often, when I lose, I gain. It's a law of God. Selfishness. Selfishness destroys relationships. There's probably nothing besides pride that destroys a marriage even more than selfishness. Wanting it your way. I, I remember, I think we've been married 47 years. She said, I'm not allowed to talk about it. But there was, a, there was a, something about 100 years ago in our marriage that we had a dispute about. Neither of us can remember. But I had my feelings hurt. Men never get their feelings hurt. I had my feelings hurt. And I don't remember what it was. But I went on my knees and I made this statement to God. I said, God, God, when do I get what I want? And the refrigerator kicked on in the house. It was an old refrigerator. And the refrigerator sounded like this. God, when do I get what I want? Refrigerator said, never, 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 never. <laughs> now, one of the laws of that, of that little statement is keep your old refrigerators. God speaks through them. 
we have to understand the law of love is to self-sacrificially love one another. You lose. Let others win and you end up winning. It's one of God's laws. Selfishness versus the cross, our cross. Back in verse 5, love is not easily provoked to anger. Love, be careful. Some people think they're born with anger. As long, and part of the angry thing is, how do you act when you don't get what you want? It says a whole lot about you. The way we act when we don't get what we expected says a whole lot about you. Love is not easily provoked. But we're human beings. Every single one of us has an emotion called anger. We get mad. Sometimes it's when we don't get what we want. Sometimes it's when we have expectations. This is not what I expected. And we lose our temper and we get angry. When we do, Ephesians 4.26, be ye angry. He's admitting it. The Apostle Paul through the, the Holy Spirit saying, be angry. Okay, but if you're going to get angry, don't keep it to the next day. Be ye angry and sin not. How do you sin? By letting the sun go down upon your wrath. Now, I took that quite literal. I do take that quite literal. If my wife and I have an argument about me wanting to get a 2020 new Sienna or another 10-year-old Sienna, when we, I'm teasing about that, but when we have a dispute or an argument, maybe I get my feelings hurt, maybe I don't get what I want. When that happens... I stay up late so I can stay mad longer. <laughs> but in the morning, we don't even talk about it anymore. You know, all these psychiatrists and psychologists and all this new stuff says you need to talk it out. I say, forgive, don't talk about it again, and uh, you're following the scriptures. Be ye angry and sin not. He allows for the fact that we have a temperament with, called anger. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Don't go to bed angry. But when you do, you're giving place to the devil who's just always stirring your pot, always trying to keep you angry and upset, unsettled. I believe it's this way, if I can do this right. This is not a microphone. This is a lever, a button. And that it, at any, if you're an angry person who responds poorly to not getting what you want, all the devil has to do is push your button, bring something up, to stir the pot, to, make you angry again, and keep you unsettled. Where Jesus wants us, Jesus wants us to forgive and eventually forget if you forgive right. 
buttons. He knows how to push our buttons. Don't let him. That's giving place to the devil. There's a verse here. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. We are to discipline our children, but it needs to be balanced. You can overly discipline your children. You can be a screamer and really get what you want out of them at first. But when you overly discipline your children, you're provoking your children to anger, to wrath, lest they be discouraged. I would even add, Bill, Bill Gothard says, lest they get rebellious. And as soon as they can, they break the rope, the cord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger. One of the ways to provoke your children to anger is not give them discipline. Have a balance. Your children need to live in a home where there is balance. My father was a provider. That's what he felt the role of a father was. He had no role model, and he just, he just wanted to provide. And hence, he had two full-time jobs. He was home two out of three Sundays a month. And when he came home, I had the kind of mother that would say, wait till your daddy gets home. When daddy got home, we all ran for the beds, under the beds. We were scared to death of our dad. And when we, when we uh, were listening down the hallway and mom didn't tell on us, that's when we all looked at each other and smiled. We got away with it. Please be careful. Mothers should be disciplinarians too. And but overly disciplining, that can cause discouragement and rebellion. The next verse there. Love thinks no evil, communicates with words, questions, and not assumptions. I've, do, I've been doing marriage counseling now for almost 40 years. One of the biggest purposes for marriage counseling is to show people how to argue. To show them how to argue. And it works. I started to say many, some of you have been there when I taught you how to argue. When I marry couples, I teach them how to have a good argument. That good argument has to do like this. You go first. He's not allowed to interrupt you till you've had everything you're going to say. But I give him a tablet to write down what he would have said had he, had he not interrupted. Now watch. Many of the problems in marriages or in relationships, friendships, happen when there's assumptions made. Well, I thought you said, I thought you meant. Love thinks no evil. It com you communicate with your words questions and not assumptions. Dad, I want to go to the mall on Friday night with all my friends. And I know you're going to say no because I'm only 13. Dad, I, I, I want to go. All my friends are going to be there. 
And my first response is no. But then I want my children to grow up knowing how to argue their points of view. But I'm going to give you the opportunity to talk me out of it. That works, guys. Teaching your children to communicate with words, communicating with questions, and not just assuming that someone meant this or did this or said that. Love thinks no evil. Hmm. So many things I could say about that. The next verse, verse 6, love rejoices not in iniquity, rejoices not in sin. Aha, you blew that one. Love rejoices not when someone makes a mistake, but it rejoices in the truth. Verse 7, the truth, the love of God, the words of God, that's the truth. And then verse 7 says it all, love bears all things. Is it bearable? Yes. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes for all things. Literally love, godly love for others endures all things. Enduring all things. I'm so glad that's in there. If you want this kind of love, it just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen because you say a prayer. It doesn't happen because you read your Bible all the time. Half the time. Love comes through the Holy Spirit. This kind of love. Be different. Have your love be different than what others have. Become the greatest of lovers, not just for husbands and wives, not just romantic love, with others, sisters and brothers, family members, love. Part of that is we know their weaknesses, they know ours. We've seen their mistakes, they've seen ours. Love, no matter what, endures all things. I want to share share this with you, remind you. The fruit of the Spirit, the Spirit of God comes upon us and changes us from within. And when it comes into us, if it's come into us, we have the fruit, like it's a tree, a fruit tree. The fruit of the Spirit is love. When you don't have love, all you have is condemnation and criticism selfishness and pride the fruit of the spirit comes from love joy does not matter about circumstances joy is in your inner heart and it's your relationship with god and knowing what the future holds joy peace i have preached this 20 years to you peace with god peace with self to forgive yourself because you're just you're just a human being that's going to make mistakes to forgive yourself and then peace with others 
to be able to have godly love for others. There's that word I love, long-suffering. To be gentle, not harsh. To be good, not bad. To be faith, to have faith. Faith in God changes you. The word, uh, Verse 23, meekness is the absence of anger. That is a fruit of the Spirit. And temperance, self-control. That's a fruit. If you, if you want those things or you need to be reminded of those things, they came to you as a fruit tree in your heart. And we need to groom those trees. We need to, do, we need to work on those trees and exercise these gifts of the Spirit. Without, without them, without this, you can, you can exercise love as long as you're getting what you want. Don't get what you want, anger, temper, pride. Who's your best friend? We need to remember, this is only temporary to groom that, that, that friendship with Jesus. He was all about love. And he was all about you loving one another. I want to say something kind of strange. I read it this week. Love. We are to love others as we love ourselves. We love ourselves? All of us do. We all love ourselves. We are to love others at least that much. Jesus. Lord Jesus, what a friend you are to us. And Lord, you make it possible, we're capable, Lord, of loving one another, of forgiving, letting it come supernaturally through us to others. Lord, this very, this very week, Lord, cause us, help us, Lord, to see, to see, Lord, do we have that love, joy, peace, long-suffering, tenderness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control. Help us, the Lord, to groom those things in our life and to truly, truly, truly love one another. You're the greatest of lovers. You came to love us. Lord, if there be someone here that needs to take this moment of silent prayer, Lord, asking you for forgiveness of their sins, Asking you to take over first place in your life again, to be our source. Let it happen now. Help us, Lord, to not take your love and friendship for granted. Let us relish it. Lord, I ask you to have heard our prayers, Lord. There might be those in our life we need to forgive. We take that time now, Lord, for you to reveal to us those who still have a hold in our life that drag us down. Lord, we love you. Help us to love you more. Lord, we love others. Help us to love them more. In Jesus' name.